Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Imagine receiving a text message from a stranger that says, you and your family will be killed very slowly. That's just what happened to Trisha Raffensperger, the wife of Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. This and other never-before-seen messages first came to light after new reporting into the harassment many election officials faced after Donald Trump lost the state of Georgia. Trisha Raffensperger spoke openly about the barrage of threats she and her family received in the aftermath of Trump's loss in November. Now, the investigation by news outlet Reuters reveals the extent of the intimidation campaign that continues against the Raffensburgers and against election officials throughout Georgia. The death threats came by text to Trisha Raffensperger, wife of Georgia's Secretary of State, detailed in a Reuters interview. The messages coming in April, many months after Donald Trump lost the election. Earlier threats even forcing them into hiding for nearly one week. We'll hear more now about the exclusive investigation in this episode of Georgia Today. I'm joined by Reuters investigative journalist Linda So. Her reporting reveals the scope of Trump supporters' menacing tactics and never-before-seen texts, voicemails, and emails directed at elections officials throughout the state. And then what happened next? So, Linda, I'd like to set this up by going back to one night in particular in late November, which was a few weeks after the election in which Donald Trump lost. He lost the popular vote. He lost the Electoral College. And specifically, he lost the state of Georgia, which was the first time a Republican candidate for president had failed to win our state since 1992. And so at that point, Brad Raffensperger, who is Georgia's secretary of state, is under intense pressure pressure from the White House uh, all the way down to overturn the election results here in Georgia. And by that time, I think the votes had been counted twice already. They were about to be counted a third time. And each time the results stood. And so anyway, that night in late November, the Raffensperger's daughter-in-law returns home. And, and what does she find at her house? She returned home with her two young children, and she found the garage door had been open. The door leading to the house was open. All the lights inside the house were turned on. And when she left the house, she told police that none of the lights were on. So somebody had turned all the lights on in the house and moved items around in the house. However, nothing was taken, and the family saw this as really an act of intimidation, kind of to send the message, we know where you live. And so it was very frightening for the daughter-in-law. And this is the daughter-in-law who was widowed. The Raffensburgers lost their eldest son, Brenton, three years ago. So this is his wife and their two small children. So the daughter-in-law immediately called the Raffensburgers, let them know that there had been a break-in at the house. And that same evening, the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, was leaving the house to pick up dinner for the family. And at the time, he had security detail with him. They were leaving the house, and they noticed 
three suspicious cars with out-of-state license plates. So another guard approached these men and asked them who they were. And these men replied were with the Oath Keepers, and they gave a reason that didn't make sense. They said, we heard that Black Lives Matter protesters were going to be here, so we came out just to protect the area. And so the security guard who was there asked them to leave, which they did. And who specifically are the Oath Keepers? The Oath Keepers are a far-right extremist group. They were members of that group we now know were involved in the deadly U.S. Capitol riot on January 6th. So it prompted the Raffensburgers, their grown children and all their grandchildren to go to an undisclosed location because they really felt like they couldn't protect themselves. Well, and as you reported in your story for Reuters, those events that occurred on that night in late November were not the first threats against Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and his family. What were some of the other messages they received in in the days and weeks following the election? Trisha Raffensperger told me that she was the first person to be targeted. Uh, She recalls on the day the two U.S. Republican senators from Georgia had come out and issued a statement calling on Brad Raffensperger to resign, uh, saying his management of the election was an embarrassment. Raffensperger pushed back, sent a, issued his own statement that he would not resign, criticized the two Republican senators, and I asked Leffler about that response. She didn't respond herself, walked in silence, didn't comment. It was like a light switch going off. She said that day is the first day she received a threatening text message. Not only were they death threats, but they were sexualized messages, calling her vulgar insults. And there was one in particular that stood out to her. She said somebody had used her husband's name to create a fake email account in his name and sent her a message to make it seem like it was her husband, the secretary of state, who sent the message, basically saying, I want you dead. And she's still receiving them. You know, I asked her, why do you feel like you were the one to be targeted? And she said she felt like people were using it as a way to try to coerce her husband to resign, to flood her with these threats so that she would talk to the secretary of state and and say, please don't do this anymore. And she said she was she was not going to do that. Did you get a feel for the emotional toll that this was taking, uh, not just on her, but on him, on on their family? Certainly. For the Raffensburgers, um, Trisha especially, this was difficult because uh, they lost their eldest son, Brenton, three years ago. And Trisha told me, you know, it, it's very scary receiving these these messages. And, and, and she, she got emotional when she talked about her son, Brenton, who had passed away. And she said, you know, as a mother, as a parent, I, I've already lost a child. And the last thing I want is is to lose another or for harm to come to my family. Um, so it's it's been very emotional and, and a scary experience um, for everyone involved. And you reported that they she even decided that she she shouldn't host her her three and five year old grandchildren at her house. That was another thing. After they started receiving these death threats uh, in November, she made the difficult decision of uh, canceling the weekly visits with her grandchildren. These are the children of her son who passed away. They would uh, visit once a week. 
She canceled weekly visits at her home with two grandchildren, three and five years old. I couldn't have them come to my house anymore. You don't know if these people are actually going to act on this stuff, she said. She didn't want her grandchildren to be exposed to that because they've already gone through so much. I want to read to you some of these text messages because I feel like it uh, just shows the seriousness of some of these threats that her family has been subjected to. These text messages came in April. Uh, one read, you and your family will be killed very slowly. Uh, a second one said, please pray. We plan for the death of you and your family every day. I'm sorry. And a third read, keep opposing the audit of Fulton County's 2020 election ballots and somebody in your family is going to have a very unfortunate incident. But this is the first time that we're hearing real details about the scope, uh, the breadth and depth of, of those threats. Why are they speaking now about that? With Trisha, um, even though she is a very private person, I feel like she felt it was time to come out and speak about this to let people know. She told me she finally felt it was time to share her story. Um, so that this won't continue to happen, not only to her family and to her husband, the Secretary of State, but also um, to all the election workers, um, even the ones that we don't hear about, the volunteers uh, who, who spend time on election day manning these polling centers. These incidents led Gabriel Sterling, a Georgia election official, to angrily call on Trump and Republican leaders to stop the disinformation and condemn the threats. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. Stay with us. Up next on Georgia Today, we'll hear more about the intimidation campaign against Georgia election officials and how the harassment we saw in 2020 might be a sign of things to come in future elections. I'm Steve Fennessy. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelsky, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org slash podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. This is Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. In this week's episode of Georgia Today, I'm joined by Linda So the reporter behind an investigation detailing violent threats and intimidation against state elections officials during and after the 2020 elections. So's investigation finds the intimidation by Donald Trump supporters is ongoing. Linda, you'd mentioned that you weren't looking at just what happened uh, with the Secretary of State and the threats against him and his family, but also election workers across the state. So I wanted to get a few examples uh, of what some of those poll workers experience, because some of them are volunteers, uh, all, uh, none of them are elected, um, but yet they're still on the receiving end of of not just criticism, but outright physical threats of violence and, and of death. I spoke with a lot of people within the Fulton County Elections Office, and 
they too were fiercely targeted. Former President Trump had criticized and accused many of those workers of committing fraud, throwing out hundreds of thousands of ballots. None of that has been accompanied by any evidence and that the, the results in Georgia have withstood three and we might be coming up on a fourth count. Trisha Raffensperger, she said, my husband, the secretary of state, was just doing his job and the results show that there was no fraud. But yet she is still receiving death threats, um, people texting her at all hours of the day and night. She, you know, she says she goes to bed, she gets them. She, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., she gets text messages. She wakes up to them. I spoke with um, Fulton County's election supervisor who said between Christmas and around New Year's Day, he received roughly 150 hateful messages and phone calls, threatening all sorts of things. You need to get your act together or people like me will go after people like you. I think you need a pair of handcuffs slapped on you. It's quite obvious the fraud that went on. So why don't you just come out and admit it and quit jerking the American people around? Just wondering how much they paid you. When I'm done with you, you'll be in prison. I spoke with Ralph Jones. He's the registration chief. He's been working in elections in Georgia for about 30 years. He's dedicated his life to this job. And he also, he's an African-American man, and he received racist calls. He said one in particular was very disturbing. He received an email from somebody who said he deserved to be dragged to death. Behind a truck, right? Behind a truck, yes. And, you know, he said that um, after the November election, one night it was already dark and somebody he didn't recognize showed up at his front door and knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm a new neighbor. I just want to talk to you. And Ralph Jones had lived in this neighborhood a long time. He knew who lived there and, and you know, everything that happened. And so he knew that these were not new neighbors, that nobody knew had moved into the neighborhood. So he didn't open the door. Uh, so for these people who really are in public service jobs and, and many do this type of work because, you know, it's their civic duty. They see it as their civic duty. After everything he's been through, uh, all the calls and strangers showing up at his door, all the death threats that he received, I asked him, you know, did, did that ever make him think, I don't want to do this anymore, or I need to find another line of work. And he said, no, you know, even though he's been the victim of all of that, he told me, I just try to look at the bright side. I'm here to do my job. I love my job. I'm not going to leave it. He's, he's a very positive person. It was just incredible speaking with him. But uh, we can't expect that everyone who's on the receiving end of this stuff is going to have the same reaction. I mean, to what degree should we be concerned that, you know, the apparatus that that ensures that our elections are held and held transparently, uh, that the people who, who do that are going to keep coming back? I spoke with one part-time volunteer in Bartow County. Uh, her name was Vanessa Montgomery. Um, she also has worked in elections for a, a very long time. And she told me that she still hasn't decided if she's going to come back 
or not. And, and it was all prompted by a very scary incident that happened to her uh, after the January runoffs in, in Georgia. She had just um, shut down the polling center for the evening. She had loaded her car up with all the ballots and the information to um, deliver it to the elections office. And she was in the car with her daughter, who was also a volunteer worker at that precinct. Her daughter was driving and they noticed that somebody was waiting for them in the parking lot as they were leaving. Um, at the time, they didn't think much of it. Um, but as they were driving towards uh, the elections office, they noticed that they were being followed and followed very closely. Vanessa Montgomery called 911 and had a dispatcher with her on the phone um, the entire time who was navigating them to a safe place where officers would meet them. They were nearly run off the road in one instance. and. Uh, Vanessa Montgomery told me, you know, she's like, what were they trying to do? Were they trying to hit us, cause a crash, to steal our ballots? Uh, and, and this is an African-American woman working in a predominantly uh, white district. And the incident, sh it left her shaken. She said she went home and had a panic attack, uh, her first panic attack since serving as an army officer in Bosnia, where she witnessed people being blown up by landmines. And that was decades ago. And she doesn't know if she's going to come back. And I spoke with her boss, Bartow County's election supervisor, who considers Vanessa Montgomery one of his most reliable, trustworthy polling managers. Um, and, and he had mentioned he, he's very worried about what this is going to do for future elections, because a lot of time these poll workers are people who come back, they have the institutional knowledge, they have the experience. So he relies on the people who come back year after year to volunteer um, on election day. He, he feels that people are up against this. They, they have to deal with this harassment and the threats and the intimidation. He's really worried that he's going to lose valuable poll workers with experience to run a good election. Now, some federal judges overseeing the January 6th insurrection cases have expressed concerns that Trump's rhetoric could inspire more threats of violence. There's also worry about the impact this disinformation could have on election workers and officials during the 2022 midterm elections. We have all of this sort of digital forensic evidence. Has anyone been charged with threatening any of these officials? No one so far has been charged. Trisha mentioned to me that she feels like more should be done on that end. The Fulton County Elections Director, Richard Barron, also no one to his knowledge has been arrested in connection with these threats. So the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, announced in February that her office would look into that January 2nd phone call that the former president made with uh, made to Secretary of State Raffensperger, basically asking him to find votes so that he would be declared the winner in Georgia. As Fonnie Willis officially became Fulton County's district attorney, a phone call between then President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger became public. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes 
which is one more that we have. Raffensperger took the call from within Fulton County, where the state capital sits. Willis says with time, she determined only her office with jurisdiction over Fulton County is suited to investigate. Willis, though, is not naming names. She says she cannot say whether an individual specifically, Trump or his supporters, are under investigation. Simply, she is looking into specific events. We'll go where the investigation leads them and will act if she feels a crime was committed. Obviously, it's been a reported around the wor world that phone call and so we have said yes that is part of the investigation but it, we're not narrowing it to that. Last week Willis sent these letters to Governor Brian Kemp, Secretary Raffensperger and other top Georgia officials letting them know of the investigation and quote at this time we have no reason to believe that any Georgia official is a target of this investigation. I mean it's elections are the bulwark of our democracy and to have them undermined in such an intimidating and menacing way is is so disturbing. And then we also have Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger running for re-election. In terms of sort of the, I guess, how the election is, is going to be held, what do you expect based upon kind of how 2020 went? Security in upcoming elections will be top of mind. They're thinking about ways to protect their workers center to make sure that not only the voters stay safe, but the people who are working these um, polling places stay safe. We're living through something that uh, I thought only occurred in other places. Fulton County's election director, Richard Barron, said after what he lived through last year, he said, he felt like this country was descending in a, into a third world mentality. You know, he has spent his spare time as an election observer overseas. And he said some of the things he witnessed overseas in third world countries, he, he felt like he was witnessing that here in the United States. And, and it's something that he never, ever expected out of this country. My thanks to Reuters investigative reporter Linda So. Brad Raffensperger's fellow Republicans have continued to ostracize him over his refusal to overturn the 2020 election in Donald Trump's favor. At its recent convention, the Georgia GOP actually censured the Secretary of State. And as he runs for re-election, Raffensperger's nomination in next year's primaries is by no means assured. Jody Heiss, a Republican congressman who called the January 6th insurrection, quote, our 1776 moment, unquote, has announced a campaign to win the Republican nomination himself for the office of Secretary of State. For more Georgia Today, go to gpb.org. I'm Steve Fennessy. Georgia Today is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Subscribe to our show anywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple. Jess Mador is our producer. Our engineers are Jesse Neiswanger and Jahi Whitehead. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.